Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. I am the founder, Ben Smith, and we are really excited to bring to you part two of our interview with Sam Walker. He is the author of one of our favorite books called The Captain Class. And in this interview, Sam and Luke discuss what types of personalities make the best leader and what types of behaviors the greatest of sports leaders enact. And so without further ado, here is Sam Walker and Luke Poulos. You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. captains themselves did you see any similarities in their upbringing or kind of their childhood or their early on experiences that that might have shaped them or was it kind of like you said I know you highlighted that you know on a, on a personal level they're all different but their character traits uh, in terms of leadership are the same I was wondering if you saw anything in their upbringing that might point to where that came from yeah, it was interesting. There were a lot. So there were seven traits that I put in the book. And the reason there were others, though, that I thought things that were very common among them, and a lot of them had to do with their upbringing. And the problem is what I tried to do with the book was, you know, I think sometimes you can get a group of people and they have something in common, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, I couldn't tell that it mattered, you know, because, you know, those seven traits are things they actually used in competition right. to help their teams win. Mm -hmm. You know, so they may have had other similarities, but I didn't see a connection between those similarities and the team's performance. But yeah, no, one of the thing I kept seeing was a lot of these um, athletes had had really difficult, traumatic things happen to them when they were younger. I mean, they, you know, they, they'd been through something. Um, it's not all of them, some of them not, uh, but, but most of them did. And what I realized after really thinking about that was, um, it's not important. You don't have to have had these hard knocks in life, but what you need is, you know, something and people call it emotional intelligence. I don't really know what that is. I mean, honestly, it's, <laughs> I don't like that term because I just, I think it can mean anything you want it to. But what I mean by emotional intelligence is that they have this ability to relate to a lot of different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's in, usually it's because they had a slightly unusual background. Mm -hmm. Tim Duncan is a great example. I mean, here's a guy who grew up in the Caribbean and, yeah. you know, he went to Wake Forest and, you know, he's, he's incredibly comfortable with anyone. I mean, he was doing very high level academic work in college, but he's also someone who knows, you know, people who come from kind of lower income backgrounds. I mean, he can really relate to anybody and it's his ability to figure people out, you know, because not everyone is motivated the same way. Not everyone has the same personality and mm. to have, the ability to really study people and understand where they're coming from, you know, and not to, to necessarily assume you don't like them or they're the wrong fit, but to really figure out what motivates them and to use that in your interactions. I mean, that's, so that's something they all had. I mean, they had this, this uncanny ability to reach people and, you know, that can come from a lot of places, you know, it doesn't have to be hard knocks. I think when you have difficulties in life, you, you know, you learn a lot about, emotions and motivations and you become much more perceptive about why people do what they do but 
um, but it, there's other ways to get there. So I wouldn't say that that's uh, necessarily important. I mean, we talked in the, before we started about introverts and extroverts, and I thought that was really interesting. I mean, look, most of the time, I've discovered the great leader is in a group is is usually a little introverted. There's someone mm-hmm. who doesn't really care about their their outward how people perceive them outwardly. I don't think that's because that's a strength. I think that you know people who feel that way already when they get to a team, I think they tend to be more comfortable with the right instincts. I don't mm-hmm. think they're better people or worse. I just think they tend to get there. Most of these athletes were not stars. They were people who had to fight you know, to get where they are. And, you know, I think they appreciate that and they appreciate the fact that they're not uh, whenever the best player, you know, in the room. And, you know, I think that helps as well. I think that can help you lead you more quickly to the right kinds of instincts as a leader. But, um, but yeah, no, the thing that really struck me was, um, you know, there were extroverts. I mean, personality is overrated and, you know, it's, it's hard to, fathom because you know I think a lot of coaches when they're trying to decide who their leader is they're looking at personality Mm -hmm. and your personality doesn't matter and this is the problem you know a lot of teams at the professional level will give these really in-depth personality evaluations and they're useful I mean I'm not knocking them I mean they can really kind of give you a sense of what someone's tendencies are right but they don't necessarily tell you how someone's going to behave yeah exactly so many coaches tell you that they have someone and they just seem to have every great leadership quality and they make them a leader and they turn into a monster you know they just yeah. start ordering people around and they're um, putting themselves above the team and right. everything they're doing is wrong even though they have the right instincts inside them so you know that's that's another big challenge you know we have to be able to set personality aside and and you know really look at what people actually do as opposed to what they say yeah, the behavior versus the personality, I think, is such an interesting concept that, again, is just overlooked and isn't isn't the glamorous side of leadership that that people want to think about it as. You know, cult of personality is a thing for a reason. You know, people become obsessed with the personality, but like you said, what it really comes down to is your everyday actions, your everyday behavior, the actual ability for you to act upon those instincts and act upon the character that you you have or, or the thoughts that you have actually being able to take steps to better the team and put the team in front of yourself and being able to connect with your teammates like you said such a huge piece of leadership is like you said emotional intelligence it gets thrown around a lot these days but um, actually understanding the motivations of your teammates and being able to leverage that to influence them and influence the team for the betterment of everybody is such an important piece of being a captain. And, and obviously you do see a lot of traumatic experiences or, or the hard knocks, like you say, of these, these great captains. And I think that it's a good point saying, making that, yes, these experiences shaped these traits, but that's not the only way that these traits and these behaviors can be built those kind of just were, were catalysts for those individuals. And, and one of my questions for you is, you know, some of those individuals had these traits inherently because of those experiences, but can any individual, regardless of their background or starting point, kind of develop these skills and these behaviors to the level of someone that was on these tier one teams as a captain? 
Yeah, I don't think everyone's going to get to that level. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I studied the extreme results. And, you know, right. I think when you study extreme results, you tend to get extreme personalities, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't think you need to be extreme. I mean, the thing at the end of the day, the seven traits that I found, I mean, the shocking thing about them is, is talent and personality have, and charisma have nothing to do with it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, those, those are the things that tend to be obvious and distinguish people. Um, very obviously, but those aren't the things that matter. And, you know, the best way to explain it, I think, is, um, you know, every, it's really, you got to start with potential, right? I mean, do you have the potential to be a great leader? And, you know, here's the thing, there's way more people that have that potential than you realize. Mm-hmm. Some people don't, but but most people do, I think. And, you know, this is just a matter of behavior. You can modify your behavior and, and learn it. So most people have potential. Now, the problem is not everyone has potential has the motivation. Right. And that's the big part. It's like you've got to have the motivation. And being a leader is endless, difficult, unglamorous, thankless work. And it's, it's in every second in every, of every day. And you're in that team context. It's it's something you have to be inherently motivated to do, even if you have the right instinct. So not everyone's motivated. But the third piece of it is development. And as I said, I mean, these captains did not show up on day one and lead these teams. I mean, it took them a while. Some had great role models. Some had bad ones. And I think learned how to behave by behaving in opposition to a bad role model. But you have to develop them. You know, and, and I think the captains I study I have so much admiration for because you know, my book wasn't around. I mean, there was nowhere they could go. They kind of all figured it out, you know, and they figured out the behavior pattern that worked. And you have to figure it out too. And I think that's where coaches come. And I think that's, um, but that's also on, on the individual. I mean, if you really want to be a team leader, it's not about, you know, showing up to practice and working hard and, you know, being really great on the field. You know, you have to be a little more systematic and really think yeah. about every interaction because, in the end, you know, Tom Brady said it was simple, and he's right. It is simple. Leadership's really simple. It's binary. There's a, there's a right decision and a wrong decision in every situation. It's just not easy. And that's what people need to understand. It's very difficult, and it requires a lot of you to give a lot of yourself. And, you know, that's, that's the thing. That's 90% of the battle is just knowing what you're supposed to do in every situation. And if you, if you know that, you're going to make better decisions. And if you make what, 30, 10%, 30%, 80% better decisions, your team will improve. Yeah, eventually, incrementally, just those, those everyday interactions, those everyday decisions are what truly forms great leadership is just consistently acting on those instincts. And that's part of, you know, what we're trying to do at the captain's coach. Um, you know, Ben is, he's going to be putting out a, a captain's playbook uh, in the next month or two. And it's really going to help those people with that motivation. Cause I think you're right. That motivation comes first. And if you don't have that, you, you don't have a story to tell yourself about the role you're playing and be able to put that effort in day in and day out and stay disciplined in your behavior. Um, if you have that, and then this playbook to go along with it is going to be able to kind of guide those interactions and kind of help you make those decisions and realize what you point out, you know, there's a right and a wrong, and this is going to help you identify those and, if you have the answer already for you, it really just comes down to that discipline and motivation to continue doing it day in and day out. And uh, I, I know you only have a, a little bit more time, Sam. So 
if uh, we go towards the, the end of this, what other advice do you have for team captains or, or somebody aspiring to kind of develop those leadership skills in themselves? It's hard to know where to start. I mean, I think the, um, I think the, I would start with what I would tell coaches, which um, it really starts there, you know, and I think that's why coaches are so important because if they don't recognize the right kind of leadership and take steps to make sure that they're creating that model on the team, the team's limited. I mean, you know, you may win, you know, have, but you're not going to sustain it for very long. Um, so, you know, that's really the first thing. And I think coaches need to reframe the, their whole approach, you know, and stop thinking about um, what players say and start really focusing on, you know, what they do inside that team context. And also, you know, some of the nuances of leadership are difficult. You know, one of the things that is really important, I think, for both people who want to be leaders and people who want to be coaches of a well-led team is that they have to understand that the, the best relationship, the only relationship that will sustain that level of excellence is if the coach and the captain have a very strong partnership. Mm-hmm. It's a partnership. I'm not talking about, you know, if you want to be the leader of your team, a lot of people will immediately start to try to, you know, be the coach's best buddy, be the coach's like, you know, uh, eyes and ears on the field, all those things. You have to push back. You know, yeah. it has to be a two-way street and there right. has to be real trust and respect right. and cooperation. You have to be willing to, to sit your, down with your coach and say, I don't think this is working and here's why. And the coach has to be able to say, all right, I hear you. And you know, I think you're right. Let's try your way. Once in a while, you know, there has to be give and take. And it's so important. And it, I, I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of people, especially people who don't see themselves as leaders. Mm-hmm find themselves, even if they get put in that leadership role, you know, the hardest thing to do is to stand against their teammates and to, and to, um, to push back with the coach. And so that's a two-way street. And those partnerships are so funny because, you know, these coaches of these elite teams, one of the biggest surprises of this whole book was how it wasn't the coach. I mean, you know, most of these coaches had losing records when they took over their teams or, or right. had been fired, had no experience, little experience. Um, and some of them, you know, some of these coaches, some of these teams had more than one coach and kept winning. So mm-hmm. they weren't that essential ingredient. Um, and it's so hard to, uh, as a coach, especially at the youth level, I think, to see yourself that way. Now, you know, in, in high school and college, coaches are much more important. I mean, because of recruiting and because of, um, you know, you only have the players for a certain amount of time. I think the role of the coach is much, much stronger. But, um, you know, and it's harder for, for players, for younger players to really understand and assert themselves. But there's a, a second part of that, which is when you're talking about a youth team, people could change quickly. A culture mm-hmm. can form, you know, very fast. Right. And, you know, so if you're doing it right, um, you can see quick results and you wouldn't see it at higher levels of the game. So. Um, there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, I think the best thing for a leader is, you know, you've got to start, that's what you're going to start with is looking at your coach, you know, and if your coach doesn't value the right things and doesn't have the right um, instincts and doesn't seem to understand or appreciate that kind of leadership, uh, you need to think really hard about whether you want to be the leader. Right. I think your team is, is inherently limited and, you know, maybe it's better for you not to, to, to do that. Maybe it's just an exercise of frustration. Now, if you think you can 
you can start to change that and you can have an impact um, on your coach. That's great. Um, but think really hard about that. And yeah, that's the second thing, you know, forget about your resume. It's not, you cannot go into leadership thinking this is a, a, an honor. This is, you know, whenever I see these caps at professional level saying, ever since I was a little boy, I dreamed of being the cap. You know what? Anyone who says that I'm really, really worried. <laughs> I'm telling you because it's like because it's something they want as a self out yeah, sel- yeah it's a selfish it's a selfish want it's not gonna work you know that's not how you approach it. it it is a it is a burden it's a huge burden and it's and no one should approach it thinking this is gonna be awesome you know most of these leaders they do it because they emerge or they do it because they know at the end of the day that no one cares more than they do Right. And they feel like they have to do it and they should do it because they know that they're the only one who's, um, who's got their eyes and ears on, on everything all the time yeah. and, that, and that it just isn't going to work if they don't do it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge piece and great advice for, for coaches out there, especially for, you know, if they're looking for the next competitive advantage they can gain, definitely look at yourself and how you are choosing your leadership and the responsibilities you're giving them or eliminating them to um, the importance of that, that leader reflects the importance of your culture. And, and I think, like you said, I think sometimes in high school and college coaches may put less emphasis on leadership because they think, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here after the season's over. These guys are going to be graduating or, you know, I'm only going to have someone for four years or they're only going to be a leader for one or two years, maybe if they're good two years, um, but after that, you know, how I, I have to play more of a role if I want my culture to sustain, but the flip side of it, like you just pointed out at those places in college and high school, people change a lot faster. So you can influence a team as a captain in one year, you can, you can make big fundamental changes as a junior and a senior on everybody else. And, and giving, like you said, the, how difficult it is for underclassmen to play a role just again highlights the importance of coaches giving those opportunities to freshmen and sophomores, making them comfortable making those decisions and, and kind of fostering those behaviors early on. So by the time they are juniors and seniors, you don't have to worry about, Oh, like, is this person going to be able to affect a big change for the team? You know, they can because they've been doing it for the last two and three years. Yeah. Another thing I would, I would add to that though is, you know, I tell youth coaches all the time. I mean, I know how political it is and, especially when you've got parents involved and, you know, yeah. players, star players who are like, they need to be the captain and they're going to be unhappy if they're not, you know, I think the most important thing you can do is, you know, start and just start, just pick that person who's on, on the unconventional choice. And, and it's better if they're an underclassman, you know, it may cause real uh, disruption in the first year, but if, if that person uh, is around long enough, they'll set a culture. And then you know what right. the next, person's gonna find and pretty soon you've got a, a culture that's repeatable and exactly you know and it'll keep going and you gotta bite the bullet at some point and just exactly exactly i think that's a, that's such a big piece as well you know become a leadership factory in, in your program and like you said you know it'll just start self-fulfilling prophecy with year after year you'll just start to see that these captains keep appearing because you've been fostering these behaviors and, and what you want in your culture year after year. And like you said, at, at some point you just got to make a change and go through it and, and persevere through that, that first little bit of uncomfortableness. 
Um, but before I let you go, Sam, I got to ask my, my favorite question because I always get different answers and we've definitely touched all around the, the subject, but what is your definition of leadership? If you really had to you know, put a, a simple answer to it and what does it really boil down to? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it is being able to completely step outside of yourself. You know, it's, it's to set yourself aside completely, you know, just, you know, your, your ego, your self-esteem, your work, your, your, what you do every day, um, how you think, you know, what you, what keeps you awake at night, all of those things need to be directed outward right. at the group and not about you and your right. role. And it's a really, really hard thing to do. And, you know, especially in the age of social media, you know, likes and clicks and followers, mm -hmm. look at me, it's, it's so hard to do that. But that's what it takes. You gotta step completely out of yourself and just think about others and think about the group. I love that. That's such a, a unique definition so far on the show. And, and I love that perspective. Definitely been the theme of our conversation is just the, the level of selflessness. And I like the idea of just detaching your ego, your personality, your desires for yourself and, and completely detaching that from who you are. And when you're the leader, you know, like you said, projecting all those things outward, those worries, those wants, those desires to the team um, as a whole and not just you as a, an individual. So I love that. Um, and, and obviously, uh, if you haven't read the captain class yet, please go out and buy a copy. Do yourself a favor. Great read, easy read, super enjoyable. Um, but what is the book that you most often recommend or that you would recommend um, team captains or, or coaches read other than your own book? And that's a tough one. I mean, there's, I feel like there's so many books out there that will be really helpful with one piece of this, mm -hmm. um, you know, or several pieces of it. Um, I haven't found anything where I feel like <clears throat> this is the complete picture. Right. <clears throat> so one of the, one of the books I really like is legacy, um, which is about the all blacks, <clears throat> the culture of the New Zealand all blacks, which uh, James Kerr wrote the book. It's, it's, it's probably the best thing I've read in terms of talking about, a culture of winning and, and all of its facets from the yeah. sort of top to bottom. And um, there's a lot of great stuff in there. So I think that's kind of should be on anyone's list. Okay. Definitely, definitely added to my list. <laughs> that's good. Um, and then do you have a, do you have a favorite quote? I mean, I, the quote that I love, I mean, I, I opened my book with it. It was from Bill Russell who Bill Russell is the greatest captain in sports history. I think, um, and how you can argue 11 NBA titles in 13 years, um, you know, but yeah, as a player and the coach <laughs> and the coach, right. I mean, you yeah. know, Red Auerbach was great, but you know, Red Auerbach retired and they won what? Two yeah. Years. And they kept, yeah, they kept winning. He won his first title. The Celtics had never won a title. They won their first title in his rookie year. And, you know, they won the last that streak the year he retired and then they didn't even make the playoffs. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so wild. He's, he's incredible and uh, was very misunderstood, you know, at the time. And still, I think today, just this GOAT conversation, Michael Jordan or LeBron. I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, how can, <laughs> GOAT? how can anyone who has 11 rings not be the GOAT? Right? I, anyway, um, 
<laughs> he said, they asked him, you know, about his, his mindset. <clears throat> he obviously happens to be an incredibly intelligent, articulate, thoughtful guy on top of everything else. But he said uh, this, and, and I love this quote. I think everyone should remember when they're thinking about how they approach the team. He said, my ego demands for myself the success of my team. Wow. That just says it all. That's great. I love that. That's going to have to, we might have to put that up on the website on the front page. I love that. That is great. All right. Well, thank you very much, Sam. I love having you on the show for a conversation today. Great having you. I know took a little bit of chunk out of your, your, your busy schedule. So uh, we really appreciate right. it. Good luck with the, with the guide. I, you're doing great work. Keep it up. All right. Thanks. Thanks again, Sam. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulos. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.